Welcome to the Agony Cast, where we improve culture through friendly competition. I'm here with our guest this week. Hi, I'm Ryan. I was voted Sunset Magazine's 2009 Most Adorable Small Town in America. Uh, Nathaniel, I am best known as Scrooge McDuck's Body Man. I'm Jeremy. I am a three-time Outer Banks Regional Pie-Eating Champion. I am Lars. I'm the three-time Outer Banks Regional Pie-Eating Champion. (laughs) (laughs) Lars is the son of a bitch, too. All right, so as always, we're going to be starting off with our two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Wherein each participant is given two minutes to read a prepared response to a previously decided topic. This week's topic is, what lesson are we to extract from Mad Men? Boo, timely and and powerful. And it looks like this week, uh, Ryan is talking about Mad Men right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Ryan, you'll go first. I have got a clock, of course, um, but we'll keep things gentlemanly. So whenever Drop you want to start. Okay. Is it it's me? Yeah, it's to you. All right, great. So to me, the lesson from Mad Men is that really everything that you enjoy was created by a tragic, self-destructive lone figure, right? Because Don Draper really is the Forrest Gump of the advertising world. The great ad campaign from, what, 1960 to 1969 was created by Don Draper in some form or fashion. And so I think, and and usually from some kind of tragic experience that he's had, so his marriage is falling apart, and he's naming the carousel, uh, Kodak's carousel, right? So I think in the fan fiction that I've been working on, because I'm working on fan fiction (laughs) this lesson, he continues this same trajectory and continues to create the commercials that we know and love. So, for instance, in one of my stories, he goes back to that Depression-era whorehouse that he grew up in and just does every single one of the prostitutes. And he feels really guilty about it later, so he writes that you're not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. (laughs) And then there's another one where he tells Gene how to pick the very best bottle of alcohol from his liquor cabinet when Gene's like 10, and that becomes that, all right, Sonny D commercial. (laughs) Why wouldn't it? And then I think Sally is going to get to the point where when she has children, she's not going to let Dawn see them anymore when she and Glenn have children. And I think that Dawn writes the my buddy, my kid sister themes, you know, my buddy, my buddy, jingle over his sadness about not getting to see the kids. Um, and then Peggy eventually is going to become his boss. I mean, I don't, I don't know why that didn't happen in the series finale. And um, I think he's going to write the strong enough for a man, pH balance for a woman campaign um, specifically to honor her. And then finally, Peggy is going to one day come into Don's office and just find him slumped over dead on his desk. But underneath his dead body is his masterwork, which is that Cialis commercial where the two old people are sitting in the tub together, or in separate tubs, rather. And of course, that's inspired by his seventh wife who was his secretary's assistant. So that's, that's what I think is, is the lesson, and that's, that's what happens. That's sort of spoiler alert. That's what happens to Don Draper post-Mad Men. All right, very good. Uh, by the by, I muted you other guys' uh, mics there just so your 
uh, uproarious laughter wasn't cutting in on uh, on, on Ryan's. Uh, I need a laugh track. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. You know what? We're going to just have to do it visually. Jazz hands, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fuck thought, those people. Thoughts? Are we respond to him now? Oh, yeah, 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 why not? Uh, oh, yeah, that was uh, great. Obviously the best one. Uh, that's the end. <laughs> it's over. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. Ryan. I'm glad you enjoyed yes. this. Yeah. I, like the, I like the projection into the future in order to understand how the past reflects upon the present. It's very trippy. That's what I learned from watching Mad Men. It's prestige television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked your projection into your microphone. I thought that was very effective. Mm. I have no response. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> it's not aggressive. Well, let's move on. Uh, so I guess, Nathaniel, you are uh, taking us from here. Okay. Uh, mine was also sort of uh, fan fiction based. Um, mine is, except in my version... Um, all of the characters on, my, on Mad Men have traveled back into the past from the future in order to justify our version of the past as backwards and stilted and sexist and racist. Um, and for me, this then explains how the characters develop over time, um, mainly because of how smug I feel watching Mad Men about my own uh, present-day values and the things that I find important. Um, and the beliefs that I hold. And so I find many of the characters seem to be almost sacrificing themselves in interesting ways, um, particularly the way that the men perform outrageous acts of sexism in order to justify my contemporary lack of sexism, um, which is another way of saying probably all the ways in which I'm troubling or troubled in sexist acts, uh, but I'm not as bad as Don Draper. And so Don Draper performs this sort of service for us, and we've sent him back in time. Um, and of of course, we picked someone to be a, a progressive Hollywood actor, um, and so he takes this on himself to go back into time um, and to perform an outrageous form of obvious sexism that thus makes it easy for us in the future to fight against accusations that we are ourselves sexist. And that is not two minutes, but I don't even need two minutes. That's fine. Just drop that mic. <laughs> drop that mic. Get out of there. So, Jesus, then. Draper Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> that, did I get the gist of what you were saying? No. Oh. No. Oh, fuck you. He, he's, he's more like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. Oh. But that is Jesus. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there was a setup. So, Lars, for you, anybody that time travels back to, to help... <laughs> right. To help to help shape the future in any way is a Christ-like figure. That's yeah. because that's because most of the gospels are about Jesus time traveling. From what I remember, from to make there's fish and wine at subsequent parties. Boy, it's being a turn. It's going around Listen, from what I remember, I just that's uh, I, that's what I remember from my years, you know, being abused in Catholic school. Like there was a lot going on, and there was a movie about time travel playing, and everybody said, "Be quiet," and that's that's all I recall. Yeah, my favorite gospel is Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I take points. Whoever can name another character in that movie. Mister Clean, Mister Cool, Mister Perfect, Mister Perfect. There is a perfect somebody in there. Like it's, is it Mr. Perfect? No, that's a wrestler. God damn it. By uh, the way, I think the most obvious connection, though, is... Perfect Tommy. Fascination. 
is the connection is the connection between our fascination with John Ham's bulge and of course the bulge of most personifications of Jesus on the cross. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. They both have great abs. <laughs> that's true. They're both ripped. Jesus yeah. had an amazing dad bod. Dad bod, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, Jesus has dad bod, the ultimate dad bod. <laughs> Mm. Spun off into the territory of the Illuminati. <laughs> All right. uh, on that note, uh, it's my turn, so I will... Uh, Mute us. Yeah. Okay. All right. All righty. So to identify the lesson of Mad Men, we have to start at the end. As the image of a grinning, meditating Don cuts to Coca-Cola's classic hilltop advertisement, the removed cultural critic might suggest that the protean Don, or Dick, as icon of the everyman, can only conceive of nirvana in coarse materialist terms, or that he, as a propagator of rapacious consumerism, callously appropriates all experiences, no matter how sacred, to be packaged and resold to an unquestioning public. However, the real lesson here, if we have the courage to embrace it, is much more radical than such retreats into cynicism, irony, and armchair psychology. Let's treat this event with the sincerity it requests. Has Mad Men ever lied to us before? Consider that Don's vision is a true revelation. What then does it, does it suggest? To explore that, we can turn to Whit Stillman's 1994 film Barcelona, in which protagonist Ted, a proud salesman for the Illinois High Speed Motor Corporation stationed in the title city, narrates in vo voiceover seemingly apropos of nothing that, like nearly everyone else, I'd seen Arthur Miller's play and as a youth had the usual sneering, deprecating attitude to the world of business and sales. But Ted becomes a convert to the sacrament of sales, differentiating it from the high-pressure tactics of flim-flam charlatans. In true sales, Ted states, you're providing a real and constructive service, helping people make their lives more agreeable or their companies more efficient, and in so doing, creating wonderful economies of scale from which everyone in the whole economy benefit. This is the thrilling romance of commerce. Consider what in human history can boast such a benefit. It's not Henry Francis's drawing room politics. The dirty secret of every major, major liberal democracy is that it is built on the disenfranchised, be they slaves, colonized people, or illegal immigrants. It's not the castigating religion proffered by an evergreen Colin Hanks, which history has shown to be bloody, divisive, and inequitable. Despite the lofty goals of our more noble institutions, capitalism has advanced human ethics as, at least as tangibly. As much as the forums, marketplaces have destabilized oppressive fachas. For a few cents, kings and peasants alike can enjoy a few moments of sugar-infused sugar respite. And the jobs created, though often menial, elevate large swaths of humans out of the grinding poverty of agrarian subsistence. The lesson of Mad Men is exactly what it says on the box. Coke is the real thing. Blammo. <laughs> nice. I didn't understand any of that except when you called Colin Hanks bloody and vile. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so that's my gist, is that uh, that last image is not... Uh, it's, it isn't taken to be satirically. It is an honest revelation of the benefits of capitalism. Well, uh, Matthew Weiner apparently really likes that commercial. He thinks it's the best commercial ever made. So I think he actually, because a lot of people read it um, cynically, and he was, he was disheartened by the cynicism as well. So you and him, you're on the same board as this auteur genius. Wait, I guess I won then, right? Wait a second. Wait a second. It's not Matthew Weiner? <laughs> No, it's Matthew Weiner. They didn't understand I really was committed to the commercial. <laughs> oh, boy, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> you can edit this. Right? Also, are you giving me like a much deeper, <laughs> yeah. impressive voice later in post? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah bring it down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, let me do it. I'm Matthew Weiner, and I didn't appreciate people's response to my television program. Matthew, can we ask you questions now that you're here? Yes, please. Okay, so uh, who do you think is the most fuckable member of Mad Men? Stumped you right away, huh? Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> the that's British, what he said. The British guy after he hangs himself. <laughs> it sounds like Nathaniel's uh, cutting in and out there. I think I can translate for him. He said, smoke weed every day, y'all. 420, 420. <laughs> you know, it's so, like, that's, impressions are so beautiful. They can vary so much in vocal ranges. Yeah. All right, um, let's put a bow on this. Yeah, I'm, I the, I'm the rich one. little of agony cast. <laughs> I'd like to hear from Lars. No. Thank you very much. Well, I fear that I have fewer citations than Jeremy, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, and actually, I, I'm sorry, I think I suggested this topic, but I should be honest and say that I've actually seen two episodes. Uh, but I do feel like they're stand-ins for the lessons of the rest of the series, given my knowledge of it. But I should say my knowledge of the series is limited to those two episodes, so it might be something of a tautology. Uh, and actually, I, th I cleft the lesson, so it's two parts. One, don't be British. It's a dead-end road. Uh, they are unhappy people. They uh, steal from their businesses, and they give to their child's school. Um, they're useless fops, ultimately. Uh, they make terrible cars that are hard to advertise, and when something goes wrong, what do they do? they kill themselves. It's the British goodbye. So I think that is absolutely key. Uh, the other one is Mad Men Lesson 2 provides a lot of surprising solutions, as we know, and I think the most outside-the-box solution they provide is what I call finger-blast your problems. Um, nothing bad will happen if you're under the gun, something steps in your way, give it some hand sex. Uh, you know, take it into the hall and plant your finger in its vagina. And that's, that's what happens next in a good way. Put another way, listen to this, you're having financial difficulties that will not quit. What do you do? Sit next to the financial difficulty at a party and surreptitiously jerk it off. This is the way that your issues will go away. Uh, sex of the hand is like... Uh, Sex in the bush. I, I'm not good with sex. But I think that that's the lesson. End of response. All right, we're all back. <laughs> got it. Those two episodes did teach you everything you needed to know. I you know, very I relieved. Concur. Yeah, I I'd like to add a, a similar lesson is, is that every show needs more hobos. <laughs> right. And Hobo. I suppose you could put those two lessons together if you want. Learn you hobo code. Go there, but, it, but it should have. Now, perhaps another lesson, Lars, is um, did Mad Men teach you to go to Grantland and look up their uh, coverage over Mad Men, which is exclusively <laughs> about finger blasting? <laughs> uh, oh, I do, I do have another... Well, yeah. Anyway. You burned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very droll. Anywho. Dick Draper. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you know what that cough means. It's the end of the uh, two-minute round. Um, so now we're going to our speed round, which is even loosely organized. More loosely. Speed round. 
All right, so it looks like our topics, um, and as um, regular listeners, of which there are none to this podcast, um, know, this is where we uh, respond to topics quickly and in an impromptu fashion, because there's nothing funny than, uh, or funnier than impromptu comedy. This week's topic, closest dateable relative. <laughs> and since we're all talking about our own families, none of it makes any sense. All right, so uh, let's see. I just ran our, I ran our list through the randomizer here. It looks like our first topic is least inspiring TED Talks. Least inspiring <laughs> TED Talks. Ryan, what do you got for us? I've got, well, there are still 19 minutes left in this thing. <laughs> Nathaniel? Uh, toasters sure are interesting when you put forks in them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I've got anonymity is the new publicity. Huh? <laughs> The ha's in there. Pass. I've got supersize your life to smallness. Nathaniel? Uh, the battery that will revolutionize your toilet experience. Um, I got nothing. Tiny houses. Who farted? Good point. I've got finger blast your problem. <laughs> Go back to that well. But that's also the name of a talk. Ron Blagojevich on avoiding ill deeds in public office. Wow. Nice and timely. Nice and timely. <laughs> our sponsor is Tab Soda. Hey, do you guys know how to update Google so you can change the calendar and what day it thinks it is? All of Lars's responses come in via auto gyro. <laughs> Uh, uh, Chris Christie's traffic app. It's going to change the way we do politics. Yeah, I feel bad about Kaiser that. Kaiser Wilhelm, friend or foe? <laughs> Any of you both. <laughs> Talks, Lars. Oh, boy. Well, that one petered itself out. Let's move yeah, on to the really second one. Did. How about provide a one-sentence synopsis of any episode of the Big Bang, <laughs> Big Bang Theory? <laughs> Provide a one-sentence synopsis of any episode of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> well, and uh, good I'm, news, Ryan, you're our head <laughs> Big the Bang. Only one that's watched it. <laughs> you're our head Big Bang beefcake. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you give us a one-sentence synopsis? I'm a, real, I'm a real big banger. Is that what they call their <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That also is, is the, uh, coincidentally the name of the song that is going to catapult Nelly back into superstardom. <laughs> My uh, one-sentence synopsis is that Sheldon does not understand human emotions. Nathaniel? I, nerds are the butt of jokes. Um, the gang gets excited to see Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Unfortunate Coda, it turns out to be a Kurzweil device with a filthy mind and a list of jokes about the 1970s. <laughs> Friendly physicist hunts for poontang. <laughs> Leonard uses Sheldon's Green Lantern memorabilia as a cock ring. Nathaniel? Uh, pass. Um, Fez has trouble with the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to insert one. Screech drops by. <laughs> Uh, this isn't Blossom. Where's Six? 
Lars, you've been awfully quiet. Uh, Chip Kid on the art of first impressions in design and life. <laughs> it's not the TED Talk. Oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> we moved on. Or was that your Big Bang Theory synopsis? I don't know who Chip Kid is. Oh, no, I do. I feel like he might show up in that show. I was yeah. told to be more brief. No. <laughs> uh, any others? I mean, I know we're all big bangers. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never seen an episode of Big Bang. Not even one to do. I mean, I've, Grant Land hasn't written about it, so I have nothing to say. Bonus oh, points for anyone who can name any other character besides Sheldon. Ooh, the pretty one. Penny. Got, uh, Boom. Penny. Penny, good work. You got uh, Dutch. Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> Willoughby. Willoughby. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, this is the new speed round. Okay. Um, yeah. um, Crazy Joe Devola. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lonely. Other Dutch. <laughs> Mrs. Harvey. Did you say Mrs. Garriott? <laughs> I'll take that. Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> Not the character, the act. <laughs> that that tall blonde yeah. assistant coach. <laughs> right. Uh, that is also Sheldon. All right. Well, let's move on to our last topic and uh, let's um, finish this up. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I added this one today and it popped up today. Fantastic. Who should that replace? Less than random to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That actually... You're a regular Ron Blagojevich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doctor. I can't take this shellacking. Um, so riddle me this, jerks. Who should replace Jared as Subway's pitch man? Who should replace Jared as Subway's pitch man? Can't have Jared anymore. Who's going to replace him? Brian? Someone who got super fat eating Subway. <laughs> I say they just go the other way entirely. Just lean into it. Have someone who comes out with a sandwich and says ham. Hey, <laughs> uh, Bill Cosby. Yeah, why not? He knows the terrain. Um, I think Ronald McFootlong. <laughs> a small naked boy. <laughs> Ryan. Two tiny twins named Ham and Cheese. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Uh, just an a anthropomorphic cucumber. <laughs> That's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, I'll add on to that, a cartoon cucumber. I'm just going to add the name Terrence. <laughs> we're just we're spitballing. That's fair. That's totally fair. If someone uses any of these ideas, how much money do we get? We'll right. be paid in cold cuts. And will they be wet? Yes, they will. <laughs> Yeah, eat wet. I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> that's that's the pitch man. <laughs> the pitch man is just a yoga mat. <laughs> How about Rod Blagojevich? <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, well, I think we've given it to Subway enough. Good job kicking them while they're down. Although, were they ever up? I mean, they've been attached to a gas station since as long as I can remember. <laughs> All right, well, that's it, really. Now we move on to the most exciting part. Let's vote for winners. Vote, 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 vote. Uh, go in order, and as we all know... Um, the rules are that you cannot vote for yourself. You can only vote for one person who has 
done the best during this episode, and you cannot vote for yourself. Ryan, who do you think? I vote for Nathaniel, not because of anything he said. Mostly, I, I could barely hear him, but <laughs> because of his headset that looks like he's a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. He's <laughs> at home, can't see it. But picture Nathaniel as though he is flying a Black Hawk helicopter, but with a look of terror on his face. And his eyes are darting. Sure, I have to identify bogeys. <laughs> Ryan, uh, okay, so Ryan gives us Nathaniel, so that's one vote for Nathaniel. i got to write these down. Uh, Nathaniel, who do you vote for? You, you can't keep these numbers in your head. <laughs> Look, I can't count to three and operate the control board, all right? <laughs> okay. Uh, I vote for Jeremy. Okay, it sounded like the robot placed a vote, a vote for me. <laughs> Um, and as usual, we'll have Lars vote, and only if there's a tie will I come in. So, Lars, who are you voting for? I vote for Ryan. Oh, so we've got it. We know who didn't win, Lars. Lars. Yeah, I, I like Lars's response. I would have liked to see a gesture to Grant Land. I'm not going to lie. Um, Ryan, did I also... Did Grant Land really do that? I didn't. I actually didn't look that up. I just... Yeah, right. Yes, but I'll be... I'll be, the premise. I'll be damned if I'm going to drive traffic to Grant Land, but yeah... Um, Every week, they'd, they'd have a, uh, a countdown. <laughs> I am being completely serious. Um, and I also liked Ryan's replies. Um, hmm, kind of a toss-up there. I'm going to give it to Ryan, actually. Ah, I, think, I think he pulled it out in the speed round. He did. He did. And by pulled it out, just finished that sentence. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm humbled and honored yeah. to be the winner. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Ryan's the winner, and that means he gets to pick the topic for the, uh, the next episode's two-minute round. So, Ryan, what are you going to go with? All right, my topic is, how can Nick Cage revive his career? Mm, fantastic. Broad, too. Yes. <laughs> and Nick Cage, I assume, is listening to this. So <laughs> we've got some ideas for you, buddy. Yeah, at least it's being beamed straight into his teeth by the government. <laughs> All right. Hiding under a pile of dinosaur bones. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this thing's over with. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening to the Agony Cast. Um, and remember, we don't have a sign-off for this. <laughs>